Lord, we are thankful uh, for this time that we have to gather, and uh, Lord, as one body, we do confess our desperate need uh, for you today. God, we so desperately need to hear from your word. We want to, to consume it. We want to feast upon it, and we want your word to fill us. So Lord, I pray that you would, you would do just that, that you would fill our hearts completely with your words, that we might be doers of it, that we might be changed by it. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Peace wouldn't even make my top 20 list. Uh, that was the response of a man that I was meeting with, sitting across the table with. And I had asked him the question, what are some common uh, realities or common emotions that you're feeling right now in this season? And he sat back and he thought for a moment, and then he responded with just a string of, of negative things. He talked about feeling stressed and, and busy and anxious and overwhelmed and overloaded. And so we talked about a few of those things for a couple of minutes, and then I suggested to him, well, what about peace? Where, where would peace fall? Is peace top five? Is it top 10 in your heart, in your life right now? And that's when he responded, peace wouldn't even make the top 20 list right now. It's a helpful ex exercise to do on, uh, on occasion, uh, just from time to time, especially maybe during this season, just to stop and to reflect and ask yourself the question, what are some common realities or common emotions that I feel right now in this particular season? I wonder how you might answer that question uh, this morning if I was sitting across the table uh, from you. I wonder if you would answer any differently than this man that I met with not too long ago. I wonder if you this morning are feeling a level of stress and busyness, maybe anxiety, feeling overwhelmed, overloaded. Some of the, the Christmas season can bring on some of those realities in our hearts and our lives. Man, sometimes that feels like the baseline of what it means to be an adult sometimes is that you feel stressed and busy and anxious. Yet the reality is for many of us, the peace of God tends to be the missing peace in our lives. And I think that's true for a number of reasons. I think one reason is that uh, biblical peace can be hard to define. If I were to sit down with you and ask you, how would you define peace, the peace of God, in a sentence or two? I think a lot of us would struggle to know how to answer that question. We know what peace is not. We know uh, what it's like when peace is absent or when peace is missing. We have a, a high degree of conflict or feeling overwhelmed, maybe that constant internal noise that's always going on in our hearts and our minds. But to actually define what it is is a struggle for many of us, which leads us to maybe not experiencing it on a daily basis. Another reason, of course, why we struggle to experience biblical peace is because we look around and we see a profound absence of peace. This was highlighted in the Advent devotion this past week, if you've been following around, uh, along, but it referenced the Christmas hymn, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. If you know that hymn, you know that there's a couple lines in there that talks about this concept of peace being absent. It says, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I think that's often true, that peace seems to be nowhere to be found. Everywhere we look, conflict prevails, relationships are severed. We feel internally our hearts are kind of thinned out because of the stress that we go through in life. It does feel like peace has gone missing. 
And yet this is one of the reasons why Advent is so very important. This is one of the reasons why as a church we're just intentionally slowing down and observing Advent as we lead up to Christmas morning. The beauty of Advent is that it reminds us that one of the primary gifts that God has brought to us in the birth of Jesus is peace. That even in the midst of of conflict and stress and feeling overwhelmed and that constant internal noise, Advent comes to us and says there is a better way to live. There's a better way to live. That the the weight and the stress and just the the heaviness of this particular season does not have to be the norm. That Advent reminds us that peace does not have to be the missing peace in our lives right now. That peace in Christ can be yours. In fact, that's really what this passage in Luke chapter 2 is all about. Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 14 explains why Jesus our Savior was born. He was born to bring us peace. We're really only going to focus on verse 14 today as we consider the topic of the peace of Advent. But just so that we understand the scene, there are two main groups in this passage. We have the shepherds and then we have the angels. We notice in this passage that the shepherds are tending to their flock at nighttime. So this is something that they would just do on a normal basis. They're living kind of in the ordinary moment-to-moment life here. And we notice that an angel appears on the scene and scares them half to death. Verse 9 says that they were filled with great fear. And that is exactly right. If an angel showed up to us here this morning, we would lose our minds. We'd be freaked out so much. So the angel comes and tries to calm them down by assuring them, no, I've not come here to bring you bad news, but to bring you good news. And announces the birth of Jesus Christ, the promise. Messiah, and then tells them how they might be able to find him. But then things get even crazier. Verse 13, a whole multitude of angels show up. So not just one angel, but many angels. These terrifying creatures show up, and they begin to break out in praise to God. Notice what they sing, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Okay, so in their singing, they're, they're announcing something. Yes, they're giving glory to God, but they're also declaring that something is now available because of the birth of Jesus, that peace is now available. And so in their announcement, they are saying that the God of peace has now taken on flesh, has come to the earth as the embodiment of peace. So the redemptive entry of God in Jesus onto the human scene is now declaring, is now bringing something that all of us desperately need, that this angelic announcement is a declaration that peace has come, peace is available, peace is here. But what in the world is peace? Like it's one thing to to understand, okay, Jesus brought this concept of peace. This is something that we sing in nearly every one of these Christmas songs during this time of year. Peace is something we emphasize around the Christmas time, but what in the world is biblical peace? If we don't understand what it is, how can you be filled with it and live with it on a day-in and day-out basis? So I want to address that question this morning, instead of just giving you a, a one or two sentence definition, I want to paint a picture 
of what biblical peace actually is and how the, the scriptures talk about it. So three qualities of biblical peace this morning. Here's the first one I want to highlight is that biblical peace is not rooted in our circumstances, but in God. Not rooted in our circumstances, but in God. Some are not experiencing biblical peace because they believe uh, that in order to experience peace, what that means is that hardship and difficulty and pain must be absent in my life. That some will say, man, if, if my circumstances were just a little bit different, then I would be able to experience peace, as if peace and pain cannot coexist. And yet, when the Bible talks about peace, the, the, the context is actually within hardship, not the absence of hardship. For example, I want you to consider some of the, the very last words of Jesus to his disciples just hours before he gets up on a cross and dies in John chapter 16. We've already seen Luke 2 and the, the angels are declaring as Jesus is born that he's brought peace. Well, now let's look at the end of Jesus's life on the earth. As he's talking to his disciples, he's already told them, hey, I'm going to leave you guys. And so they start to freak out. They're experiencing the opposite of peace. He tries to reassure them, hey, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's better than me because he's going to live inside of you and empower you. But they're still feel, filled with this type of, of anxiety and fear and stress. So what does Jesus do? What does he say? Well, John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus declares, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Remember, the last few hours of Jesus' life, he's about ready to die on the cross. And what do we notice Jesus doing? He is trying to help the disciples. He's trying to help us be peaceful people. But notice what he says. Jesus is declaring, look, your circumstances are going to be difficult. You will experience hardship. Suffering is unavoidable but that does not negate peace from your life and in your hearts. In fact, in many ways, hardship can actually open up the door for us to experiencing deep and lasting peace because it helps us to understand where our peace should ultimately be rooted in. That difficult hardship, difficult circumstances, more than anything else, helps us to, to, to realize that the floor that we had been standing on, the floor that, that we had been relying on and resting on, is infinitely shakier than the floor that God provides. That hardship, more than anything, reveals to us that lasting, deep, biblical peace cannot be rooted in our circumstances because they are always changing. They are always shifting. But biblical peace must be rooted in God, who is unchanging. In fact, this is what Jesus declares in that passage there. He says, in me, you may have peace. Jesus does not say, in the right set of circumstances, you will have peace. He doesn't say, when hardship is removed, you will have peace. He doesn't say, when your life goes according to your plan, you will have peace. No, peace is found in God. It's found in Jesus. See, we have to understand that peace is not the absence of pain, but it is an awareness of God's presence. 
that peace is, is harmony with God. It's not happiness in our circumstances. That circumstantial peace is fleeting. It's here today and gone tomorrow. But divine peace, peace from God is lasting. Why? Because God is lasting. Because God is unchanging. Because God is stable. See, peace is not found in a bottle. It's not found in a relationship. It's not found in money. It's not found in circumstances. It is found in God. In fact, in just the same conversation, John chapter 14, Jesus is declaring to his disciples that it's actually possible uh, to be filled with a worldly peace instead of a biblical peace. He kind of presents this interesting category here of the ways in which the world wants to fill us with their kind of peace. He says in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, Jesus is saying, don't settle for worldly peace. Don't settle for a peace that's rooted in circumstances or emotions or temporary happiness. Receive my peace. And in Jesus' peace, his peace cuts through all fear, all anxiety, all despair, all hardship. Now, I, I wonder if some of us are not experiencing biblical peace today because on one hand, you intellectually know that peace should be found in God and not your circumstances. But practically and functionally, the way that you live your life, it actually says something different. It actually says that you're looking for a peace with the right set of circumstances, In other words, if I were to ask most of you here this morning, hey, should your peace be rooted in God or your circumstances? Most of us would say God. Almost every single one of us would. But if we watched the way that you live your life, it actually would tell a different story. It actually looks as if you're believing that having the right circumstances, having your life go according to your plan is where peace is found. And you know how you can tell? Is if you're a control freak. If you overly control people, situations, things, and look, we, you know, we, we, we call it something different. We don't say control freak. We, we, we call it, no, I'm being faithful, right? I, I, I'm just pursuing excellence here. I just want to do what's right, right? It's under that umbrella. But if we call a spade a spade, you're a control freak. Right? You, you are playing the role of God in that particular area, by overly fixing, overly controlling, obsessing, trying to manipulate situations because you believe that having the right set of circumstances will result in peace. And what's interesting is that when you overly control things, it actually leads to the opposite of biblical peace. It actually leads to more anxiety, more worry, more weariness. That when you look around, your little kingdom is not the way you want it to be, it actually leads to the opposite of peace in your life because you believe that in the right circumstances leads to peace. So maybe this is a good opportunity just to pause and ask the question, what areas of your life are you playing or trying to play the role of God in? Where are you trying to overly fix, control, manipulate, save, fill in the blank because you think in that there's peace? I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but you can't. You can't. 
You, you cannot control all that you think you can control. You can't. You can pray. You can be faithful. You can play the role that God has given you, which is always more restrictive than we want. But you cannot control all that you think you control. God is in control of the results. And we, I think when we understand that, when we accept that, when we come to terms of that, and we kind of let go of that control, there's peace. And I'm not saying let go, let God. I'm not suggesting that kind of garbage theology. But I'm saying when you understand, yeah, be faithful, pray, but give the rest to God. Put it in his hands. The, the, the return on that is actually there's peace in your heart because you're now moving from putting your peace in your circumstances to now putting your peace in God. That leads to the second quality of biblical peace. These are obviously connected. But biblical peace is also not a byproduct of emotion, but trust, but trust. When someone has made a difficult decision and they are asked, hey, how did, how did you know that you made the right choice? Sometimes what I hear people say is they will respond by saying, I just had a feeling of peace about it. I just had this calmness in my soul. That, that's why I know I made the right decision. The, the problem with that mentality is that it oftentimes reduces peace to just an emotion. And it actually talks about peace with absolutely no biblical support of using peace in that way. You're never going to find, you're not going to find anywhere in the scriptures, the phrase, I just had a, a, a peace about this. It's not in the Bible at all. Sometimes we confuse the, the, the warm, fuzzy, calm feelings with peace. And when we're presented with a decision, we think, okay, what's the right decision? Okay, whatever's going to fill me with that calmness, that's the right decision. Whatever's going to fill me with the warm, fuzzy feelings, that's the right decision. As if the more difficult decision is the wrong decision. And that's not biblically accurate at all. Now, of course, Biblical peace, when you experience it, will impact how you feel and what you feel. However, the Bible never reduces peace to only a feeling as if our peace follows wherever our emotions lead us. Our feelings are way too wishy-washy to conjure up the type of peace that we desperately need. Our feelings are always fluctuating. They're always changing. Right? Just remind you, feelings are real. They cannot be authoritative. Yes, validate what you feel, sure, but do not allow them to drive and determine how you live and how you make decisions. Do not confuse peace with emotion. Or maybe let's think about it a different way. Let's look at Philippians 4 for a moment. It says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, how in the world can the peace of God possibly guard your heart if we reduce it to an emotion? See, the peace of God has to be found outside of our emotions, outside of our own hearts, if it's supposed to guard our hearts. See, the way that the peace of God guards our hearts and minds is not by filling us with the warm, fuzzy feelings, 
but it guards our hearts and minds through the conduit of trust in God. See, peace is not a byproduct of emotion, but trust in the living God. There's a close connection, intimate connection between peace and trust in the Lord. You can see this all throughout the Psalms, but let me just share with you one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 26, verse 3. It says, you, talking about God, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind stays on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. See the connection? Trusting in the Lord results in the Lord keeping that individual in perfect peace. Now, we love that verse, and that's a phenomenal verse to memorize and to hide in your heart, but we so often neglect the very next verse. Verse 4 which says, trust in the Lord when? When you feel like it? When your emotions match up with what you want? When your circumstances are just right? No, no, no. Trust in the Lord forever. In other words, trust in the Lord at all times, in any situation, no matter what you feel, trust in the Lord. Why? For for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Oh, this teaches us so much about peace, that peace is actually on the other side of trust. Peace is on the other side of trusting in God, who is our everlasting rock. That peace results when the condition of our heart, the posture of our heart is one of trusting, one of relying, one of depending on God, and not these calm emotions, these warm, fuzzy feelings, or temporary happiness. Why am I pressing this? Well, I'm pressing this because when you walk through hardship, and I'm saying when, not if, when you walk through hardship, man, so often we just want the peace of God without doing the hard work of trusting in God in the midst of difficulty. We fall into this tendency to just want the gifts of God and not the giver. And we want the the calmness, we want the warm, fuzzy feelings, and and we sometimes think and we pray, God, give us peace, and we sometimes confuse that with the feelings when the feelings are not the goal. The goal is trusting in the Lord at all times, and those warm, fuzzy feelings, the calmness of the soul, that may or may not happen. We're not guaranteed that. We're not promised those kinds of emotions. Sometimes they're here, sometimes they're not. But as you walk through the unknown, as you walk through times of waiting, when you walk through gut-wrenching moments, or even just the ordinary moments of our day, right? The, the seasons of life that you and I live the majority of our lives and just in the mundane, without trusting in God, there is no peace. Peace only comes when the heart has been surrendered to God and says, God, I will trust you. No matter what happens, I will trust you. I don't know what tomorrow brings, God, but I will trust in you. I don't know how this issue at work is going to be resolved this week, but God, I trust in you. God, I don't know what the doctor is going to say this week, but I will trust in you. God, I don't know what's going on with my kids. I don't know if they're going to turn out okay. I don't know how long this trial is going to go on for, but God, I will trust in you. And the result of that type of posture is being filled with peace, being filled with this contentment in God, that you, O oh God, keep the one in perfect peace whose mind stays on you because he trusts in you, trust in the Lord forever. Well, this brings us to the third quality of peace, 
that biblical peace is not a static state, but activates obedience. It activates obedience. In uh, one of the Charlie Brown peanut cartoons, Lucy says to Charlie Brown, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the whole wide world. And Charlie Brown responds and says, but Lucy, I thought you had inner peace. And Lucy replies, I do have inner peace, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. Look, that's not biblical peace. Right? Biblical peace does not disconnect peace from our behavior. Biblical peace always shapes how we live, how we interact with others, and how we respond to life. See, the Bible never reduces peace, never talks about peace in terms of it being just a destination or just an end in itself. But the way that the Bible talks about peace is it's actually a means for further obedience. It's never just the goal. A biblical peace is a pathway for deeper commitment to God. In other words, it's not static, but it activates obedience. Let me give you a couple of examples. And if you're in a small group, you're going to be looking at these passages this week in your time together. But here are just a few examples of the way that that peace kind of moves us towards obedience, away from sin, and towards living a righteous life. I want to highlight just the last one there, though. Colossians 3, 15, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which other translations have control, okay? Rule or control in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So Paul here is suggesting that the peace of God must be the controlling force in our lives. That this word here, actually for rule, is a word that in Paul's day was used for referee or umpire. So Paul's actually saying here, let the peace of God be the umpire or be the referee that helps to govern your interactions with other people and how you respond to life. That's so helpful as we think about peace not being this dead end, but it's more like a pathway. It's this controlling force in our lives leading us to being peacemakers and peacekeepers. I just want you to stop and think just for a moment right now in this particular season of your life, in what specific ways does the peace of God shape the way that you live? How does the peace of God impact your interaction with others or how you respond to life? Just think about this week alone. Can you point specifically to an example where in your interaction with somebody or how you responded to something that you experience the peace of God dictating your response. You think of an example. Or, or maybe think about it this way. <laughs> maybe you can ask this question on the way home. The people that know you, the people that live with you, the people that you do life with, do you think they would say that you are more of a peaceful person or would they say you're more of a person of conflict or a person of control? or a person of anxiety, fear. So I wonder if we struggle living with this idea of biblical peace because we're actually settling for worldly peace. I wonder if we're confusing this idea of biblical peace and we're instead looking for peace that's found in our circumstances, our emotions, or we're viewing it more as a destination. Well, biblical peace is different than worldly peace because it's from God. In other words, if you want to experience 
tangible peace day in and day out, you must first have vertical peace with God. You must be at peace and restored in your relationship with the Lord. This is important because before God saves us, the Bible actually describes our condition before God, our relationship with God, as one of being at war with him, that we were enemies of God, Romans 5.10. That's the opposite of peace, that because of our sin, we were in conflict with God. We were hostile toward God. And that is maybe the primary reason why we look out in the world and there's such a profound absence of peace, but that could also be why many of us in this room lack biblical peace in our lives because you don't have the vertical peace with God. But here's the good news. Here's the good news of Advent, the good news of Christmas, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that peace, the peace of God, can be made available to you right now today. That because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross in his resurrection, that he offers lasting peace for those who put their faith in Jesus. That's what Romans 5.1 actually says. It says, since we have been justified by faith in Jesus, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, when you put your faith in Jesus, your trust in him, what you rely upon, right, in Christ, not in your performance, not in your obedience, not in your church performance, but in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross, that he paid for your sin, he dealt with the sin debt that you created, when you understand all that he did for you on the cross and that he rose again three days later, and you say, I'm trusting in that. My, my hope my faith, I'm banking on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. When that happens, you are now filled with the peace of God because you have peace with your creator. No more hostility, no more animosity with God, no more being at war with him. You have peace. You have forgiveness, you have acceptance. It's all because of Jesus. Hey, Isaiah chapter 53 prophesying about the Lord Jesus says, surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. We are healed. We are made whole that we can have peace because Jesus endured the opposite of peace on the cross. And what's so wonderful about this is that when the peace with God, what that does is it actually brings the peace of God into our hearts and into our lives. And God wants to generously give us his peace. But the way that God delivers his peace is actually not by removing hardship. He doesn't deliver his peace by filling us with the warm, fuzzy feelings. God delivers his peace by giving us himself. Love Ephesians 2. I won't read all of it, but Paul says, for he, referring to Jesus, for he himself is our peace. That peace is not grounded in temporary happiness, not grounded in shifting circumstances or fleeting emotion. It is found in our un changing God. Peace is found in the person of Jesus Christ.
And when you have that vertical peace, you get to experience the byproduct of peace working in your life. You get filled with this inner settledness of the soul because you have contentment in God, because you're trusting in God, that you release controlling behavior of controlling things and people and situations, that you're freed from fear and crippling anxiety, that you're now a peacemaker with other people, not a person of conflicts. The peace of God can transform our lives. As I close this morning, one of the most popular and loved hymns is the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And I'm sure you've heard of the the circumstances, the, the awful circumstances surrounding the writing of that hymn. Horatio Spafford was a businessman in America, and he sent his four daughters and his wife uh, on a ship to Europe ahead of him because he had to finish up some business. And that ship actually collided with another ship and it sank and he lost his four daughters. He got news of, of, of that. He was heartbroken, but he immediately got on a ship and, and went through the exact same waters. And he wanted to get to almost the exact same point of, of where he lost his four daughters. And it was at that point, in that moment, where he got his notepad and he penned the lyrics of It Is Well With My Soul. The very worst case scenario happened to him. And in that moment, he wrote these words. He says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lots, whatever my lots, Thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. (laughs) What in the world? How can someone like that write those words after just losing his four daughters? Worst case scenario happens to him, and yet he doesn't turn to bitterness. He doesn't turn to alcohol or to anything else. He turns to the Lord And he writes, whatever my lot, God, whatever happens to me, I will declare it is well with my soul. Why? Because the God of peace has filled him with a heavenly peace that surpasses all understanding that was able to guard his heart and his mind. It's a peace that doesn't make sense. And I wanted to close with that because the reality is, is that you and I, we do not know what 2023 holds for us. We don't. We have, no, we have no idea what will happen next week, what will happen tomorrow. And, and that includes both the joys and the highs, but also the heartaches and the pains and, and the waiting and the gut-wrenching moments that might happen next year. And I say that not to provoke any type of fear, but I say that to ask the question, what will hold you through the ups and the downs of life? What will enable you to say, it is well with my soul if and when the worst case happens to you? See, Luke 2, this is the classic Christmas passage of the birth of Jesus. Classic. And it happened. It really happened. But it's also a microcosm of our lives. This passage, it, it encapsulates your life and mine because like the shepherds, we We tend to our own lives every day. We live in the ordinary. And yet what we need is exactly what they needed. That you and I, what we need is a heavenly invasion. 
We need an invitation, just like they got. We need an invitation of deep and lasting peace. Well, Advent reminds us that that invitation is here, that that invitation is found in Jesus. It's found in the one who knows you better than you know yourself. It's found in the one who cares for us better than anything or anyone. And it's found in the one who offers us true, lasting peace right now in this moment. The type of peace that that will see us through the worst situations, the worst scenarios. Why? Because the God of peace, our Emmanuel, is with us, he lives in us, and he is for us. Don't miss the God of peace this Christmas season. Don't let the peace of God be the missing peace in your life. Let's pray together. Lord, we do stop and just give you praise for all of the blessings that you have lavished upon us. Lord, we think about all the gifts that you have given to us, and one of those gifts is, is this peace that is just otherworldly. It's a type of peace that we can barely wrap our minds around. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a type of peace that can hold us up in the worst of situations. It's a type of peace that's actually a person. It is Jesus. And so, God, we give you praise for him. We thank you that in and through Jesus we can have peace with you, that we are no longer at odds with you or at war with you, but we are accepted because of Christ. Lord, I pray for this type of peace to to transform us, to activate obedience to you, even during this Christmas season where we might be overly stressed and and busy, we might have difficult relationships that, uh, that we might have to experience, but Lord, would your peace be the controlling force in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.